house habit of we grow intentionally. And you know, on our first Wednesdays, um, that's what we talk about. We talk about one of our 12 house habits the first Wednesday of every month. And the house habit that we're talking about tonight is we grow intentionally. We grow intentionally. And, and we know that uh, uh, with our, our house habits, you know, habits develop during the process of moving from information into action. Uh, habits don't just come whenever you get the information. H habits come when you begin to put the information into action. Uh, we, we've talked about our habits so far this year. We live on. We love big. We protect unity. Uh, we honor consistently. We lean in. How many of you understand that those habits don't just happen whenever you hear the message preach? Those habits don't just happen when you go through the growth track and you read them on a sheet of paper. Those habits get into our lives when we begin to take the principles and we begin to apply them into our lives. And here's the thing that we all know is that change doesn't happen when you have the right information. Change happens because you're making the right decisions. We all have the right information. You, you eat less calories than you burn, you're going to lose weight. We got the information. You, 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 you eat the organic, healthy vegetables and fruit, it's going to be better for you. We all have the information. Fried foods is not the way you want to go. We all have the information. But how many of you know that change doesn't happen when you get the information? Change happens when you change your decisions. When you start making different decisions, you begin to live a different life. And, and uh, we all know in this room, old habits are hard to break, new habits are hard to form, but I want you to know that it is possible. It is possible to have new habits in your life. And the truth of the matter is, is that we have, we have spent a long time, many of us have spent a lifetime thinking a certain way, speaking a certain way, being a certain way. And in order to change the way that we've always been, it is going to take time and it's going to take repetition. It is not just going to happen because we say a prayer. It's not going to happen just because we start coming to church once a month. It's not going to happen because we just want it to happen. No, change happens when we begin to put the action into place day after day after day after day, conversation after conversation after conversation, moment after moment after moment. It takes repetition to begin to build those new habits. And so today is no different. When we talk about we grow intentionally, we all love the concept of growing. We all love the concept of growth, but if we're going to grow intentionally, we have to change the decisions that we make on a daily basis. And we, when we begin to change those decisions, then we can begin to change our life. One of the things that we love to say around here about growth is that we don't, you don't grow automatically, you only grow intentionally. You don't grow just because you just because you aged another year. You don't grow just because you aged another decade. You only grow whenever you are committed intentionally to growth. And I, I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to tell them something. I, I mean, I want you to look them right in the eye. I want you to stare down into their soul. And I want you to tell them this. You are responsible for growing you. Come on, tell them. You are responsible for growing you. You are responsible for growing you. It's not your parents' job. It's not your partner's job. 
It's not your pastor's job. You are responsible for growing you. All of these people can give you great resources. They can give you tools. They can give you wisdom, but they cannot grow you. Only you can grow you, and that happens when we take the information and we turn it into application so that we can see the growth that we all desire in our lives. And so many times when we start talking about growth, our, our mind loves to wander to certain things, and, and we start talking, uh, thinking about growing our business or growing our bank account or growing our potential or growing our family or growing our social media following or growing our leadership and growing our potential. Uh, but oftentimes we don't consider this. We do not consider growing in our soul. We think growth in all of these other areas, but we don't think about the importance of the growth of my Soul and our business grows, our career advances, our followers on Instagram increase, our families expand, our opportunities broaden. But what about growing a healthy soul? What about growing a healthy soul? What, what is the soul? The soul in, in the New Testament is uh, the Greek word uh, psyche, which basically it's your, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your soul is what makes up who you are. It is the center and the core of one's being. It is the place where you believe. It is the place where you exercise faith. It is the place where you employ wisdom. It is who you are. It is who you are when nobody is around. It is who you are when you are all alone. It is who you are when you are just being you. It is who you are. It is your makeup. It is everything that happens on the inside of you from your mind, your will, and your emotions. So therefore, isn't it interesting when people ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? We, 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 many of us have a program response. We say, I'm doing good. But then we follow it up with, yeah, the kids are good. Yeah, the, my work is good. Yeah, my vacation was good. And we, we follow it up with all of these external things. But, but you are not your work. And you are not defined by your kids. And you are, you, your life is not determined by the last vacation that you just took. When, it, when we ask, how are you doing? What we are really attempting to ask is, how is your soul? How is your soul? How is the innermost being of you? How are you doing when nobody else is talking to you and nobody else is looking and you're not performing for anyone else? How is your soul when you're not trying to get your next paycheck and you're not trying to find your next client? How are you doing, not when you're trying to mess with your three-year-old and get them to act right? How are you doing just by yourself? How is your soul? How is your soul? I, I think if we really took a moment and, and I, I was able to look at everyone in this room and say, how, how are you doing? And if you gave me the, the typical response, oh, I'm good. Yeah, you know, my kids are out of school. It's great. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing good. We're just getting ready to go on vacation next week. Oh, how are you doing? Well, my job's doing good. And I just stopped you right there and I said, no, 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 wait a minute. How is your soul? I believe a lot of the answers would sound Something like this, stressed, afraid, discouraged, angry, hurting, jealous, troubled, uptight, distracted, 
anxious, confused, tired, frustrated, overwhelmed, sad, nervous, weak, annoyed, resentful, numb, heavy, flustered, on edge, gloomy, sensitive, tense, agitated. I believe if we really got honest about our soul, our answer to the question, how are you, would be a little different than the answer that we give. Here's why the This is such an important question to ask yourself, and this is why it demands such a sincere and honest answer, because in 3 John, verse 2, it says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Beloved, Dear friend, I I pray that that all may go well with you. I, I pray that you would be in good health as your soul is well. You see, your life and your health have a lot more to do with your soul than they do your situation. Let me say that to you again tonight. Your Your life and your health have a whole lot more to do with your soul than they do your situation. Our souls need to be healthy so that we can be healthy. Our souls need to be well. Why? So that our life can go well. Because the writer here in the Bible says, I pray that you would be well. I pray that your life would be well. I pray that you would be doing good. I pray that you would be prospering in every area of your life. And I pray that you would be healthy, and I pray those things only as your soul is prospering on the inside of you. It's an interesting connection between how well your life is going and how well your soul is doing. Interesting connection between your health and your soul. And so if we come to this conclusion tonight that says, yes, Pastor, I, 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 I need help in my soul. I need to have a healthy soul. I need to have health on the inside of me. It just takes us to the question, how, how do you do that? How do you have a healthy soul? Here's the first thing that it takes to have a, a healthy soul. And I want you to write these things down. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures tonight. I want you to write these down because I believe that as you go back through, uh, through these next few days and you begin to look up these scriptures and, and you begin to look back over these notes, I believe tonight that there's going to be some things that really, really help you in producing a healthy soul on the inside of you. Here's the first thing that it takes to have a healthy soul. It takes surrender. It takes surrender. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, verse 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus is saying here, if you try to take control of your own life, you are going to lose your life. But if you surrender it to him, then you have the opportunity to save it. Why is that? Because we were not created to flourish as the captain of our own ship. 
You were designed to flourish when you surrendered that spot in your life. That is how you were divinely created. It is how you were divinely designed. You were designed to flourish when you released control of your life and said, I am taking my hands off of the steering wheel. I have driven myself into enough disasters. I have driven myself into enough heartache. I have driven myself into enough problems. I have made enough bad decisions. I am taking the hands off the wheel, and God, I am surrendering control to you and you alone. Here's why that's such a great idea, because Jesus said this in Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me. Exchange your heavy burden. Exchange your weariness. Exchange your frustration. Exchange your anger. Come to me and bring everything that burdens you. Bring everything that weighs you down. Bring everything that frustrates you. Bring everything that disturbs your peace. You bring all of those things to me. Here's the reason why. Because I have something to give you, and it's something that you can't find anywhere else, and it is rest. Come to me and you will find rest. You see, rest is found in God's way, not your way. You can spend all of your life trying to find rest and you will never find the rest that you're looking for except in God. God is the place where you find the ultimate rest. You know, and it's, it's true today. Times can be tough, but your soul can still be a rest. Isn't that amazing? Times can be difficult. And you can still be at rest in your soul because my, my soul is, is, is not a victim of what surrounds me. My soul is my responsibility. And my soul can be healthy even when I'm in a storm. My soul can be healthy even when I'm surrounded by adversity. My soul can be healthy. Why? Because Jesus can give rest to my soul that the storms in life cannot affect. And your soul was designed to find what it truly longs for. It truly longs for this rest. It truly longs for this security. Your, your soul is truly longing for things, and the thing that your soul is longing for, it is found in God. And that's why Jesus said, come to me because I can give you what you really need, and I can give you what you actually want. You know, I was thinking about this today when Jesus was in the garden. And the Bible says that Jesus tells his disciples, come on, pray with me. He says, my soul is troubled. My soul is troubled to the point of death. And what did Jesus do when his soul was troubled? He went, he knelt down, and what was his prayer? His prayer was this, not my will, but your will be done. He was surrendering his will, surrendering control to the Father. And whenever your soul gets burdened, you need to follow the pattern of Jesus. Whenever your soul is disturbed and without peace, you need to follow the pattern of Jesus and you need to kneel down before the Father and you say, Jesus, I am here again. 
saying, because I have a heavy burden, but I know in you is rest, and so I'm going to surrender control. I'm going to surrender this to you, and God, I believe that you will give me what I can't find anywhere else. You will give me rest. You will give me rest. David said this in Psalm 63, verse 1. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary, weary land where there is no water. Man, I want you to think about when you get really thirsty. When you have been really, he says, it's like a dry land where there is no water. Imagine the thirst that would be in your physical mouth if you were in that place. And David writes, and he says, this is how my soul is longing for you. My soul is thirsting. Why did David say that? Because David understood there was only one place that he could find the fulfillment that he was looking for. Only one place he could find the nourishment that he was looking for. There was only one place that he could find it, and it was in God. And he said, I am thirsting and longing for you and for you alone. David was saying, I don't, I don't need more things to go right in my life to feel better. I just need more of God in my life to feel better. I, I, I don't need a better job, a better spouse, a better house. All I really need is a healthier soul. And if I am longing and thirsting for more of him, then my soul will find its place surrendered to him and being made more healthy. Here's the, the second thing that, that we need if our soul is going to be healthy is, it, is we have to obey. We have to obey. Jeremiah 6.16 6, says this. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. God is speaking to his, his people here. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old way, godly way, and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, nope, that's not the road we want. Ah, he says, you're going to come to a crossroads. How many of you know what it is to be at a crossroads? How many of you know whenever life just comes and it's just, oh, I don't know what to do. Go to the right, go to the left. I want to punch the person in the face, but I'm supposed to forgive them. I mean, you just get in those. Maybe you've never been there. That's just where your pastor goes. Okay, and you just come to the crossroads. And you have, to, you have to decide, what am I going to do here? And this is what he says. He says, ask for the old godly way. And walk in it, travel its path, and guess what you will find? You will find rest for your soul. You'll find rest for your soul. Isn't it interesting that the things that we think are the most difficult actually produce and yield the best life? Obedience. We think obedience is so hard and God's just trying to give you the best life. I mean, have you ever thought that God's just being mean? Like just making you obey, like God's just trying to take all the fun out of life, He's just trying to make me obey. What is he, some kind of taskmaster up there, just trying to make my life hard and make my life difficult and make me miserable? No, God's trying to get you blessed. 
God says when you obey, when you come to the crossroads and you go my way, when you go the godly way, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find rest for your souls. If you keep trying to go after it your way and you keep trying to do business your way and you keep trying to do marriage your way and you keep trying to do relationships your way and you keep trying to do life the way that you want to do it, guess what? You're not going to find any rest for your soul and life gets really difficult when there's no rest on the inside. Obey and you'll find rest. Obey and you will discover the life your soul was created for. But he says, but, but this is your response. No, that's not the road we want. That doesn't sound like very much fun. I'm not going to go that way. That doesn't appear to be as thrilling, as exciting, as entertaining as I really would like it to be. So people forsake the obedient path for the pleasure path. Here's the problem with taking the pleasure path. At some point, it's going to turn on you and it's going to be a painful path. So people get on the pleasure path and then it turns into a painful path and they wonder, why did I ever go this way? And now they're trying to backtrack and God was saying, you came to that crossroads and you got to choose whether you were going to take the obedient path or you were going to take the pleasure path. And if you would have chosen the the obedient path, you would have rest in your soul right now. But now your soul is crushed, your soul is troubled, your soul is destroyed because you took the pleasure path and then it turned painful on you. You have to take the right path. You have to take the obedient path if, if you want your soul to be healthy. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 says this. Dear friends, Peter's writing here and he says, I, I warn you, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. What, what he was writing here, he was writing to the believers. And he was saying, look, we're temporary residents on this place. We, you were created for heaven. You, you were created for eternity. You were created to spend eternity with God. You were not created for this existence here on this earth. You were just temporary residents and foreigners. He, he says this, I warn you to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. He uses strong language here. He says, I warn you. He doesn't say it might be a good idea. Hey, you might want to think about this. Hey, consider this at your, at your, at your next small group Bible study. No, no, he says, I warn you. I warn you. And then he says, keep away. Stay away. Remove yourself from the worldly desires. Why, why, why would I want to remove myself from those worldly desires? Why do I need to be so militaristic, so adamant that I separate myself from those evil desires? He says right here, he says, because those desires wage war on your very soul. He's not saying, oh, stay away from that because that would be too much fun and I don't want you to have that much fun. He's not saying, oh, stay away from those worldly desires because you just got to be, you know, buttoned all up and you got to have everything together in your life. No, no, no. He he was saying this. He was saying, if you get too close to those worldly desires, what's going to begin to happen is that the war for your soul is going to begin to be won by the opponent. You got to watch out because there is a war for your soul. Now you need to know that what feels good to your flesh today will not be good for your soul tomorrow. What what feels good for your flesh today will not be good for your soul tomorrow. What your flesh enjoys today, your soul will pay for tomorrow. It's 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 a guarantee. It's a fact. 
Whatever your flesh enjoys today, your soul will pay for it tomorrow. Whatever, whatever worldly desire that you enjoy today, your soul is going to have to go through the pain of dealing with that. You know, I, I say it all the time. If you never do it, you never have to get delivered from it. It's the best way. If you don't ever start watching pornography, you don't have to get delivered from pornography. If, if, you, if you don't ever start sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse, you don't have to get delivered from that. If you never go there, you don't have to deal with it. And, it, and if, you, if you just make sure that I stay away from these desires, if I remove myself from them and I realize that there is a war for my soul, then what feels good to my flesh, my soul is going to have to pay for tomorrow. So I don't want to be close to those desires. I want to push myself away. Why? Because I want the blessed life because the blessed life is the best life and it's the life that God created me to live. And my soul is healthy when I obey. My soul is healthy when I obey. I get to find rest in God when I obey his way and his word. Here, here's the next thing that you have to do in order to have a healthy soul is there's some things you've got to undo. There's some things you have to undo. Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. This is what you need to know about your old nature and your former way of life. It is corrupt. It's not just a little off. It is corrupt. Your former way of life does not need to be improved gradually. It doesn't just need, it just doesn't need a few tweaks. No, your former way of life and, and your old nature, they were corrupt. You have habits and attitudes that are, hear me, you have habits and attitudes that are literally working against the health of your soul. The way that you've lived all of your life and today, it's working against the health of your soul. Thoughts that you've been thinking all of your life, and now that you are a believer, now that you've submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and you are walking the path of righteousness, there are old things in you that are fighting against the health of your soul. That's why he says you got to get rid of these things. There are some things that you have to undo. There are some things that you have to uproot. There are some things that you have to pull out. There are some things in your life that need to be undone. And he's, that's why the Holy Spirit comes, because the Holy Spirit comes to renew, to make new, to reform, to change your thoughts and your attitudes. Why? Because when we take out the bad, we got to replace it with the good. When we undo the former way of life, we got to create the new way of life. For your soul to be healthy, we can't just get in the place where I'm always trying to add to and not undo. You can't just add to. You can't, you can't just start, oh, I'm just going to start reading my Bible, and I'm just going to start playing some uh, praise and worship music on the way to work, and I'm just going to start doing this devotional. No, because there are things on the inside of you that are unhealthy, and they are killing your soul. And if all you're doing is just trying to add to, it might be making you feel a little better, but hear me, it's not making you any better you got to undo some things in your life. Pull out that former way of life. Proverbs 22, 24 says this, Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your 
soul. Don't, don't associate with the wrong people because you will begin to endanger your soul. You know what the, some, some, of, some of us need to do? We need to undo some relationships because we're spending too much time with the wrong people. We're spending too much time with the wrong people. We're spending too much time, and, and we, wonder, we wonder why we're having to deal with this issue of gossip, and we just hang around people that gossip all the time. Wonder why I'm having to fight this, neg- this negativity and this pessimism, and I start looking at my circle of my closest friends, and all they want to do is complain all day. Whoever you are with, you are going to adopt their habits. So what the writer of Proverbs says is you don't want to get around the wrong people because it puts your soul in danger. It puts who you are in danger. Danger zone, danger zone, flashing lights, sound the alarm. Woo, 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 woo. The wrong people, the wrong people put you in danger. Let me tell you, there is not. Jesus said, what will you give in exchange for your soul? What will it cost? Let me tell you, your friends are not worth your soul. Your friends are not worth the health of your inner being. Your your friends are not worth your future because your soul is going to determine your future. And I don't care how long they've been with you in the past, if they are leading you down the wrong path, undo that relationship because I'm trying to go somewhere else in my future. Some things we got to undo. Here's the the last thing. If if your soul is going to be healthy, there's some things we got to learn. Some things we got to learn. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 says, My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you, they, they keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. We'll just say this about common sense. Common sense isn't common anymore. Common sense is a common things you used to take for granted that people just had common sense. It's not common here. Common sense is extraordinary now. If you if you just have common sense, you'll get promoted on your job. If you just have common sense, you'll get awards. Because it'll be like, wow, he's a genius. She's incredible. And they don't realize it's just common sense. But but this is what the scripture says: don't lose sight of common sense and discernment hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. What is is common sense? Common sense is just knowing what to do when it needs to be done. It's knowing what to say when it needs to be said. It's knowing what to think whenever I need to think about a certain thing. It's just knowing what to do when the situation presents itself. It's just common sense. But here's what will happen with common sense. It will refresh your soul. Why? Because common sense tells me I should obey. Common sense tells me I need to go this way. Common sense tells me I don't need to turn on the television at this time of night. Common sense says I don't need to click on that in social media. Common sense says I don't need to have that conversation with my coworker right now. Common sense tells me all of those things. But when we go opposite of common sense, our soul is not refreshed. In fact, our soul becomes burned. But whenever you have common sense and you have learned what to say when it needs to be said, you've learned what to do when it needs to be done, then your soul will constantly be refreshed. Why? Just because you got common sense. You've learned what to do. You've learned what to say. 
you've learned what to think. And because you've done that, your soul will be refreshed. Here's a, the last scripture I want to give you, and the, the band can come to the platform. Proverbs 24, 14, it says, In the same way, wisdom is sweet. Come on, say it, sweet. It's sweet to your soul. Wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future, and your hopes will not be cut short. Wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future. You will have a bright future. Why? Because you have a healthy soul that's full of wisdom. You see, when you begin to learn what it is to have common sense and discernment, and you begin to learn how to have wisdom and how to walk in the ways of God, when you begin to learn, and there are so many things about learning, it, one thing that you need to do to learn is you need to read your Bible. That's how you learn about God. Reading your Bible. We have great books out there on the book cart. And you know what? I, I, I ordered a couple books specifically for tonight. And I, we don't have very many copies, seven or eight copies. There's two books on your soul. Judah Smith just wrote a book entitled, How Is Your Soul? It's out there at the book cart tonight for sale. And then uh, John Ortberg, a great pastor, incredible author, wrote a book in, entitled Soul Keeper. I would encourage you, if this message is challenging you and it's stirring you up, and you know there are some things in in your soul that are un and you know that tonight you you've you you've got to get some help for your soul then you know what you need to do you need to learn about having a healthy soul how do you learn you start reading about people who have spent a lifetime learning how to make their soul healthy and they're going to give you the very best things that they've got reading is really like stealing you know that right I mean, it's really like stealing. You pay $15 for a book that somebody spent a lifetime together? That's stealing. I mean, you ought to feel like you, you're robbing somebody when you read a book. They've been through the pain. They've been through the difficulty. They've been through the adversity. They lived all of these days and all of these years, and they put their very best stuff in 200 pages for you to go through and read yourself. You do that, you start learning. If you were here on Sunday, we, we, were, we were talking about some of, these, some of these things. We're talking about being a reader. Leaders are readers, and readers are leaders. Talked about the excuse, I'm not a reader. That's not good enough. How do you change that? You just start reading. It's simple. You start reading. You start reading. I've calculated, I mean, on the low end, I've read 200, 250 books over the last 20 years of my life. On the, on the low end, probably a lot more than that. I would probably say over, well over 300 books I've read in, in, my, in, in my lifetime now. I didn't start reading until I was 19 years old. And I started reading. And in that time, so what you see up here standing, it, 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 
It is all of those books. It's the compilation. Why? Because I'm learning. People are teaching me how to have a healthy soul. They're teaching me how to make good decisions. They're teaching me how to be a better me. They're teaching me how to pray. They're teaching me how to read the Word. They're teaching me how to be insightful. They're teaching me how to be compassionate. They're teaching me how to be a leader. They're teaching me how to communicate. They're teaching me all of these things. And then people go, wow, you have a great marriage. How did we have a great marriage? Because we've been learning. We've been learning. How do you have a healthy soul? You gotta learn. You don't just say, I love Jesus and I got a healthy soul. No, you gotta learn. You've got to read. You've got, you, you've got to invest in yourself and invest in your soul with the Word of God and these men and women of God who have written these great books. Why? Because I want a healthy soul because there is blessing on the other end of having a healthy soul. I can prosper. When my soul prospers, my life can prosper. My health can prosper. My marriage can prosper. My relationships can prosper. My business can prosper because everything is riding on my soul. And I wonder why I'm having trouble in all these other areas because I'm having trouble in here. Is your soul healthy? Is your soul healthy? Do you have a healthy soul? See, I want you to ask yourself that question. I want you to ask yourself today, how, how, is, how is your soul? How is your soul? Talk to yourself. How, how, is your, how is your soul? That is an important question that demands a sincere and honest answer tonight. How, how are you doing? How are you doing in your, in your soul? How are you doing in your mind, your will, and your emotions? How are you doing in your soul is is your soul is it surrendered that's what you have to ask yourself is my soul surrendered then you have to ask yourself is is my soul obeying tonight am i walking the obedient path or am i walking the pleasure path. I have to ask myself, have, have I undone some things in my life? Are there some things that I am putting behind me? Are there some things that I'm removing myself from? Some old habits, a former way of life that I'm stepping away from. Some relationships that I'm separating myself from so that my soul can be healthy. And then you have to ask yourself, are you learning? Are, are, you, are you learning? Are you learning? Are, are you reading the Word? Are you reading books? Are are you growing? Because that's how you know when your soul is healthy. So most of you have been around here for a while. And you know that I like to preach in acrostics. So I just spelled soul for you. So whenever you ask yourself, how is your soul? You can go, oh, is, am I surrendered? Am I obeying today? Am I, am I, have I undone some things? Am I learning today? That's how you know if your soul is healthy or not. If you don't answer yes to those things, then you know there's a part of your soul that is not healthy, but this is the way you get it healthy. Tonight, if you say, man, I, I identified with some of those things in the beginning. You went through that list and you were talking about angry and confused and disturbed and heavy and numb. Those are, those are things that I've used to describe my own heart. Those those are things that I've used to describe my own life. I, I, I identified with some of those things maybe in the last week or the last month or the last year. And you said, that's who I am. You don't have to stay that way. 
Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and you surrender. Come to me and begin to take that obedient path. Oh, your soul can flourish. Your soul can be refreshed. Come, come to me and let's begin to undo some of those habits. Let's begin to undo some of those thinking patterns. Let's begin to undo some of these unhealthy cycles in our life. Let's begin to undo those things. And then let's begin to learn. And let's begin to fill our tank every single day with the right things so that our soul can be healthy and wise and strong and it can flourish. Amen? Come on, why don't you stand with me tonight? Bow your heads just for a moment. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just want to ask you tonight before we leave how is your soul I'm not asking you like the guy in the office did today whenever you walked in and he said how you doing he said I'm good I'm not asking you about your work I'm not asking you about your kids I'm not asking you about your current lifestyle. What I'm asking you tonight about it is how are you? How is your soul? How is your mind? How is your will? How is your emotions? How is the core of your being, the center of who you are? How is your soul tonight? Is your soul at ease? Is your soul resting tonight? Is your soul flourishing tonight? Is your, is your soul, is it overflowing tonight with joy and peace? Because that's what Jesus came for. He said, I came that you might have abundant life. I came so that I could take your heavy burdens. I came so that I could take your sadness. I came so I could take your anger. I came so that I could take your confusion. I came so that I could take all of your burdens and that I might give you rest. Why? Because whenever your soul is at rest, your soul can flourish. See, what I'm, what I'm talking about tonight, it's not only possible, it's the life that Jesus died for you to have. It's the life that Jesus wants you to live. A life where your soul is healthy. A life where your soul is flourishing.